Welcome to the Exposing Pseudo-Astronomy podcast for another example of astronomy and astronomy-related misconceptions, mistakes, half-truths, and conspiracies. My name is Stuart Robbins, and this is episode 101 for the 3rd 3rd of February 2014. The topic I'm going to talk about today is the Chualar Barley Field Crop Circle and the reporting of it by Linda Moulton Howe. The specific claim in this episode is that in a field of crops, barley in this case, a mysterious crop circle appeared that was likely made by aliens. It was investigated by crop circle enthusiasts who pointed out a lot of evidence that proved it could not have been made by people, supposedly. One of those people was the reporter from earthfiles.com, Linda Moulton Howe. One of the very first requests I ever got from a listener was to do an episode about some of her claims. This actually gets to a more general claim of crop circles that I've been wanting to do an episode on for a very long time, but I haven't really had a good example to work from. This one, however, is excellent. So for background first, the evening of Friday to Saturday night, December 27th through December 28th of 2013, There were reports of dogs barking all night, which was very unusual. On Saturday, December 28, 2013, a strange pattern, roughly 250 feet across, appeared in a field of barley in Chualar, California. The field was later found out to be owned by Scott and Debbie Anthony, who were conveniently on vacation. They said they had no knowledge of it. It was photographed by professional aerial photographer Julie Bellinger, or Bellinger, on Monday, December 30th, when she was en route to another job. She told a local NBC News affiliate, quote, The pattern was so unique in the middle of a field. I don't know if what it was supposed to be, but it is beautiful, end quote. The part of that quote that Linda Moulton Howe did not give was her follow-up, quote, I believe it's possible that aliens exist, but I don't know if they would bother making a crop circle to just give us a message." One reader of Earth Files, Paul Jacobs, who studies these in England and elsewhere, wrote for CropCircleConnector.com on December 31st, No one in the area has made the claim to it, and the locals had no knowledge of it or its construction. I estimate it would have taken three men working in daylight conditions doing nine-hour shifts for nearly nine days to complete this pattern. My gut feeling is we have an important event on our hands here." Other field researchers, such as Jeff Krause and David Mendez, talked with at least one local resident who told them that, just four weeks earlier, he had seen, quote, green lights in a triangular pattern on one large aerial craft, end quote, nearby. Later that day, Echelon Security of San Jose, California showed up. They were hired by some unknown agency to guard the field and formation, and they would not let anyone in to take readings or measurements. They are a major security operation, and keep that in mind when you realize that this Ben Johnson tells reporter Molnar that Echelon was hired on Saturday, December 28th to quickly get to the Chular Barley Field and keep people out of the pattern. Who sent them? Exactly. Who hired? This is a lot of money, and it happened right on the day that the pattern emerged for the first time. Who knew? How did they know? 
One of the security guards told a reporter that he thought the formation was a menace, or menacing, and that it was a warning. Already, there were some rumblings among locals saying that they had seen ladders and 20 to 30 people working, but those reports were quickly dismissed by professional crop circle researchers. But I want to go to this quote. People with ladders it were seen in the pattern that was reported by TV and other media yes. on New Year's Eve. And me. And me. Well, it's not correct. And let me give you the background. This is where... Sometimes the media is frustrating because it's rip and read news. There's no investigation. There's no reality. That's what we have you here for. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what happened? Well, you had Echelon security guards and vans arrive there on Saturday, December 28th, after the pattern emerged. And then on Sunday, December 29th, one 85-year-old retiree, Harry Johnson, was interviewed by a local TV station and said that he saw people in the barley pattern along with one 30-foot ladder leaning against a telephone pole at the south end of the barley field. Well, Jeff Krause and David Mendez had also talked to eyewitnesses who watched Echelon Security use ropes in the pattern to apparently measure it, and that apparently took place on Sunday when Mr. Johnson, perhaps he overstated, and maybe the local TV station overstated, and that's where the, quote, people with ladders in the field. But on December 31st, in the afternoon, the crop circle was simply plowed away. The field owners refused to answer questions. Now, later... After uh, New Year's Eve, the Antonys told one Monterey Herald reporter that they had been on vacation, they knew nothing about the pattern, and when Philip Molnar called to ask him if they are the people who hired Echelon and also ordered the destruction of the barley crop on New Year's Eve, the Antonys have never returned Molnar's call, even as of today, when I last talked with him. As Linda would say, this kind of reeks of, quote, high strangeness, end quote. Now, before I move on, a little bit more about Miss Howe. She is an Emmy Award-winning reporter, an investigative journalist, and she runs the earthfiles.com website. That's spelled just as it sounds, earthfiles.com. When it comes to practically anything other than what people have claimed is related to aliens, I have personally been pretty impressed with her reporting and objectivity, including standing up to George Norrie on Coast to Coast AM to say that she trusted what the doctors were saying about the swine flu a few years ago, rather than what conspiracy people were saying at the time. But when it comes to lights in the sky, cattle mutilations, crop circles, or anything like that, her reporting is among the most credulous that I've ever seen, as you'll experience throughout this episode. Now, I highly recommend that folks who are listening to this at home or work or wherever they can safely access the internet go and take a look at the formation. It's pretty neat. There's an outer ring with three large circles embedded within it. There's a square or rectangular outline within the ring, and in each section between the ring and the square outline, there's more squares and rectangles. Within the large square, there is a very intricate design that includes, perhaps, Morse code and Braille. 
I have a few photos of it up on the website, but any Google or other internet search will show them. I don't doubt that it would have taken several people several hours or days to do, or maybe 20 or 30 people a day to do, if it were done by humans, of course. With that in mind, let's get into some of the claimed evidence for the circle being made by not-humans. One of the guards was willing to carry Jeff's magnetometer into what we're calling the western circle on the ring, where the needle jumped from a low around 43 Gauss CGS units to 58 Gauss CGS units. What Linda didn't say in this interview, but did write on her website, is that the magnetometer that Jeff was using was an application on his iPad. Jeff wrote, quote, The measurements were taken by holding my iPad just above each sampling point in that western circle. I believe the calibration of the app to be accurate, as I have tested it previously on different devices and situations. End quote. On January 2nd, 2014, Sean Randall, a, quote, consciousness studies researcher, end quote, who's investigated lots of English crop circles since 2002, decided to drive to the plowed no longer pattern. She wanted to get some plant and soil samples that she could study. She later told Linda, What struck me in walking on to that plowed chular barley pattern was finding the smooth bends of the crop flat at the soil level just like those magic bins of English crop formations, close quote. It's one of the things that we all have looked for. According to the earthfiles.com website, quote, the unbroken, not creased, magic bends flat to the ground that have been famous in United Kingdom crop formations since the late 1980s onward. The hypothesis is that a, quote, spinning plasma vortex containing microwave and other energies is focused rapidly onto crops or grasses by an unknown force that creates the genuinely mysterious formations that are not man-made." Also, Sean Randall, who has investigated dozens of crop formations in England since, as I said, 2002, examined the lopped-off growth nodes at the end of the barley. She couldn't match them up to the smoothly bent stems because they had been chopped off when the field was plowed, but she said that some of them looked darker than others. Quote, and she wonders if heat energy was invoked in making the chular barley pattern. End quote. She also gathered some plant and soil samples, hoping that she could get labs to test it, figure out exactly what species of barley, examine the plant and soil samples to figure out if there was anything out of the ordinary in order to figure out if there was any reason why the circle was formed in that particular field. Another bit of evidentiary information comes from Jeff Krauss, who said, quote, Those rectangular lines were incredibly straight and very precise. The barley was laid down right along the edge and right next to those, like someone had used a square tool. Other barley was standing perfectly straight next to the downed crop. It was such a sharp angle. It was like someone had taken a cookie cutter and pressed down on it. The delineations where the ring of flattened barley is versus the standing barley were phenomenal. While the formation was interesting, there are some languages embedded within it. One of those is the three rows of braille in the centermost rectangle. It reads 192, 192, and then a 2 or a B, the letter B, 192, 1, 
and then in the third line, 192192. Clearly, there's a theme. We've had so many 192s from the outside going in. What could 192 relate to? Linda lists several possibilities on her website. It could be an even number. It's also the sum of 10 consecutive prime numbers. It's a composite number, meaning that it can be factored into 2 and 3. It may be related to iridium-192, which is a radioactive isotope of iridium with a half-life of about 74 days that could be used to make a dirty bomb. It's also the starting three digits of an IP address on a private network. AES-192 is one of the advanced encryption standards in cryptography. STS-192 is an internet network transmission designation and bandwidth. OC-192 is a network line with fast transmission speeds. 192192-2007-GX45 is an asteroid that was discovered on April 14, 2007 in the main asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter. Or, number 192 Memorandum National Security Action by President John F. Kennedy was, quote, a separate arms control measure for outer space, end quote, that was sent to the Secretaries of State and Defense and the Directors of NASA, the CIA, and the Arms Control and Disarmament Agency. Clearly, 192 is trying to tell us something. But 192 appears not only in the Braille, but also it's coded in the outer circles and ring. If you look at the outer 250-foot diameter ring as a clock face, with north pointing to 12 o'clock, then the largest circle embedded in the ring is at the 1 o'clock position. The second largest circle is at the 9 o'clock position, and the third circle is at the 2 o'clock position. 192 again. But what could this mean? Well, crop circle researcher Mark Wood, who's a U.S. Naval Flight Officer and Captain, retired, who holds a B.S. in Aerospace Engineering from Georgia Tech and an M.S. in Ocean Engineering from Florida Atlantic University and is a registered professional mechanical engineer and was screened for Aviation Command and various other things, wrote to Linda. He found a solar system simulator and ran time forward, 192 days, from the crop circle's formation on December 28, 2013, to July 8, 2014. What he found was amazing. Quote, In the inner solar system, Earth will be at the 1 o'clock position. Venus will be at the 9 o'clock position. And Mars will be at the 2 o'clock position. Note that Earth is the largest of the three planets and appears at the 1 o'clock position just like the largest disk in the Chular barley pattern. Venus is next in size and appears at the 9 o'clock position, like in the Chular barley pattern. And finally, Mars is the smallest of the three, and it appears at the 2 o'clock position. 192. Now, why is this date important? End quote. Why indeed? This number 192 that's in the outer circle, possibly, uh, it gets us 192 days to a date that we didn't know it would match uh, the configuration. Right. We just did this as an experiment. The Morse code is a different question. An Australian retired geneticist, Horace Drew, who's also a crop circle researcher, said that it was E-T-B-I-S-O-N-S-T-S. I-S-O-N could refer to Comet Ison. 
but an Oregon ham radio operator who remained nameless on her website said it was different. Clockwise from right side first, it could be T-M-N-B-E-T-B-T. Counterclockwise, it could be S-T-H-M-T, or S-T-H-O, or T-V-T-E. If it were American Morse code instead of international, it would be T-M-H-B-E-T-B-L, or V-H-M-T-L-V-T-S. He said, what's interesting is that the combination that you get out of this in letters, to us, it doesn't make any logical sense at this point, but it is there to contemplate. But he also said the numbers 192 in the middle could be significant. That might be the radioactive cloud coming from Fukushima power plant with a big dose of RADs. It might go over that area in question, the central coast of California, with that 192 number isotope as the prominent isotope. Circles on the ring. The outer circles appear to be orbital formation, or orbital information, indicating the time of arrival in that region. I would think whatever direction the orbits go in the planet circles would be the direction to read the code. Maybe timing is the key to reading these things. End quote. Another reader of Linda's site said that it looked to her like a camera CCD sensor. She pointed to many points of similarity and she wrote, quote, If ET non-terrestrial, we might be meant to see this formation as a powerful demonstration of the entity's ability to investigate our human technology and also to harvest it regardless of our wishes. The use of Braille is another aspect of this, but I have no explanation for the repeated use of the numerals 192. They may mean something to the module designer as a registration number, or perhaps to NASA as an identification to a surveillance satellite camera. We will probably never know the full story here, but it bothers someone. End quote. Now what really happened was that this was a marketing stunt by the graphics card maker NVIDIA. They paid the Anthonys for the use of their field, they paid for security, and they paid people to make the formation. The 192 refers to the number of parallel processing cores in the chip that they were making, and that this was a marketing stunt for. And it sure as heck got a lot of free publicity. I wish I had come up with the idea and sold it to them. But what about all those lines of evidence that the crop circle researchers pointed to? Well, let's go back and look at them. One was that we had reports of dogs barking easily explained by a bunch of trucks carrying workers around the night before. Another was strange lights four weeks earlier. That is useless information that has nothing to do with this. A counterpiece of evidence that was dismissed was the guys with ladders. Well, I guess we can't dismiss that as easily as Linda and others would have liked. We have the security company hired by an unknown person or group, and the owners of the field refusing to answer further questions. That is mystery-mongering and could be explained by anything. In fact, I would argue that it's better explained as a marketing stunt, a company that wants to protect the fields from looky-loos like these crop circle researchers due to their contract with the field's owner. And they want to protect their marketing tool. As for the particular guard saying it looked menacing or was a warning, 
so what? He could have been playing with the guy. I mean, I know I sure would if I were a security guard guarding a crop circle formation from crop circle quote-unquote researchers. Plowing the field just a few days later. Well, again, who knows? It couldn't be used to point to ETs. It can't be used to point to anything else. I would say NVIDIA was just like, hey, we got all our free press. Let's just get rid of it. We're done. As for the magnetic readings, well, an uncalibrated iPad app being used as a detailed magnetometer with readings reported by a security guard back to a crop circle researcher, I'm sorry, I don't put much stock in those. And regardless, that can be thrown off by almost anything without proper controls in its place. Go back to my earlier episode on designing a hyperdimensional physics experiment to learn more about proper controls. Then there's the smoothly bent barley stems. Now, I have heard this claim made over and over, that if you have a human making a crop circle, they break the stems, but a real crop circle is made by not humans, and the stems are smoothly bent and not broken. To me, this has to be one of the stupider claims, since I, someone who has never tried to make a crop circle or never been that gentle when walking through a field, well, when I tromp through fields of cereal grains, they have bent stalks, and I don't break them. They're just bent. So yeah, to me, this being claimed evidence that this is genuine, as in non-human made, it's, it's pretty silly to me. The perfect angles can be explained by anything, people or ETs wise at least. Various claims were made that you'd need military-grade surveying equipment to make a 90-degree angle and it to make these lines really, really straight, but that's kind of bull. A few laser pointers and a right angle tool will do the trick. And NVIDIA kind of has a heck of a lot of money that they can throw around for some decent quick surveying equipment. It's not that hard. Then there's the Braille. Obviously it's Braille, and 192 was explained as the number of processors in their chip. I think that it makes more sense for some earthly source to be putting down Braille as opposed to ETs. The big circles on the outside, that, to me, seems to be one of those 1% things. Something that you put there with forethought, but think maybe, yeah, maybe 1% of your audience is going to figure it out. The largest circle at 1 o'clock, the second largest at 9 o'clock, and the third at 2 o'clock, again, gives you 192, the number of cores in the processor. It does not however, correspond to the positions of planets 192 days from when the crop circle formed. If you use a solar system simulator, and I've linked up to one in the show notes, and place Earth at the 1 o'clock position, Venus is at 922, and Mars is at 225. Yeah, it's, it's kind of close-ish to 192, but it is far from the exact match that people have claimed. To me, this is anomaly hunting, with a lot of hand-waving and a large margin of error in order for it to be accepted. The Morse code, well, maybe it wasn't Morse code. It could have just been random design elements to make it more interesting. Or maybe it was just random Morse code letters that didn't correspond to anything about their marketing attempt. It was just there for fun. I haven't spoken with the designer, so I don't really know. But, none of this means that the story was over. In fact, many ardent crop circle enthusiasts have refused to accept NVIDIA's admission. From CropCircleConnector.com, quote, and this is a long quote, 
All we actually have are the claims, stories, and confusion throughout. No actual proof or video of constructional process. It just does not seem credible that this massive formation was created first go without mistakes and without being noticed by either passing terrestrial or airborne traffic in the days leading up to it being reported. A crop circle like this could not be rushed as the accuracy in geometry and coding are vital components. Why a chip company would want to use braille coding without stated reason or explanation I really don't know. On the ground the pattern's sheer size would have been daunting. According to the NVIDIA spokesperson or spokesman, quote, they worked quickly, end quote. This point puzzles me. I repeat, just creating a perfect circle with such a radius would be immensely challenging. One would need continuous live aerial verification to ensure complete confidence and accuracy of the pattern as seen from above. If mistake made, what then? Again, I say, just couldn't be rushed. Ask a qualified surveyor. The dialogue surrounding NVIDIA is most probably part of an ongoing disinformation process. John LeCar type? Just an amusing thought. And also that of a commercial company jumping onto an opportunity to promote a new product. It would seem that the people concerned are just making things up as they go along. The videos prove nothing at all in truth. Just a few people milling around in a field at double speed, odd that, and some green flashing lights in the other. All is based on inference and suggestion. Should be obvious to even the most gullible in our midst. End quote. That actually kind of reads like a beat poem, but anyway, to her sort of credit, Linda from her website removed the three-part series from the main page, but it's still in the archives, and I didn't see any notice, big plastered across the top, about a retraction, or, hey, this has been revealed to be a PR stunt. But others are like this crop circle connector guy. They refuse to believe the admission that this was just a PR stunt. Because, of course, how could humans possibly have done something like that? Or the pyramids, right? Now, if you're an experienced skeptic listening to this, you may have been playing a spot-the-logical-fallacy game for this episode so far. I count at least three major ones, and I'd be interested if you caught any more. The most significant is anomaly hunting with an argument-from-ignorance twist. They search for something that they think is weird, and they don't know how to explain, therefore aliens. The third is the argument from authority, where Linda made sure to point out in multi-line paragraphs before the actual quotes for information, the various credentials of several people whose information that she used. The issue to me really boils down to a simple one. If you don't know how something was done, don't jump to aliens. I think that a lot of these investigators, when they go out and make all these claims about how much of a genuine ET crop circle this particular example is as opposed to a human-made one, and then it's revealed to be something like a PR stunt, well, they kind of lose credibility or any credibility that they had. Their only recourse is to claim that this is a conspiracy, that they really are correct, and that all of the admissions of it being a PR stunt or whatnot is just a cover story like in that crop circle connector quote. Really, that's kind of all they have to go off at this point, and it's what people have been saying for years since the original crop circle makers in England admitted to doing it. 
in this sort of a wrap up of a lesson, I should also say that this whole piece was not meant to be a hit piece on Linda Moulton Howe. As I said earlier, I admire some of her reporting. What it is meant to show is that everyone has their own sacred cows, and when you believe in something, your ability to distinguish between fantasy and reality is severely compromised. There are two new news items for this episode. First up is the NSF, or National Science Foundation, study that showed that 25% of Americans still don't know Earth orbits the Sun. First off, the news headlines about this were wrong. They reported that 25% of Americans don't know Earth revolves around the Sun, which many news sources are reporting this as the headline, including Time and CNET and other places. Earth revolves around its axis. Earth orbits the Sun. Well, actually, they go around the gravitational center of mass, but that's within the Sun's sphere, and so it can be thought of as Earth going around the Sun. I mean, the point here is that the Sun has more mass, therefore Earth tends to orbit around it. It moves more as they orbit each other. To me, this poor word choice shows not only do Americans suck at basic knowledge about the universe, but so do headline writers and journalists. The actual NSF question was, quote, does the Earth go around the Sun, or does the Sun go around the Earth? End quote. For Congress, they had to provide the correct answer just in case they weren't sure. This is, unfortunately, a number, the 25% who don't know this, that stays rather constant every time the survey is done. It's kind of unfortunate. The second bit of new news is about astrology. There was a big survey that was done, also by the NSF, that has been tracking whether Americans think astrology is, quote, not at all scientific, end quote. The news was that in 2010, when this was done, 62% of respondents agreed that it is not at all scientific. In 2012, and for some reason the results are just coming out now, the percentage dropped to 55%, a statistically significant 7% drop. My father was actually the one who sent me the article, or the first one who sent me the article on this, with the message, you still have a lot of work to do. And I was just going to report on this as is, but a psychology researcher thought that surely this can't be right. And they correctly posited that you can get anyone to agree with anything depending on how you word the survey. The hypothesis was that people who were asked were confusing astrology with astronomy. After all, there are only two letters that are different, at least in American English. To test that hypothesis, the psychologist Richard Landers unofficially surveyed 99 people using Amazon's MTurk, paying them five cents each. He asked a more in-depth series of questions. First, he asked them to actually define astrology before he asked them other questions. And then he classified whether those who thought astrology was astronomy thought that it was science versus those who really knew that astrology was astrology and not astronomy and thought it was science. In other words, he found that people said that it was scientific generally tended to say that because they thought that it was astronomy, not astrology. But a reporter from the Washington Post did the same thing and changed the order of the questions and added a few others, and from 108 people, he got what the NSF got. 
What I would conclude from this is that we need some form of a dedicated psychologist and a dedicated poll maker to come up with the best way to investigate this and then do a large, more than 100 person study. I'm hoping that Richard Landers is correct, that the NSF decrease in people who actually think astrology is not scientific is due to bad poll questions and people confusing astrology with astronomy. But to be a good skeptic and not fall on my own sacred cow, I can't go with a personal desire as a conclusion when a comparable study showed that it might not be the case. Finally, remember that if any of you see a news article that has something to do with a topic that I've discussed on the show before, as in this case, geocentrism or astrology, send it in to podcast at sjrdesign.net, and I might include it in a future episode. Now, it's time for the puzzler, where, in some episodes, I attempt to ask a critical thinking-based question based loosely on the material discussed in the main segment. The scenario way back in episode 94 was... The equatorial circumference of the Earth is 21,600 nautical miles, or 24,901.55 miles, or 40,075.16 kilometers. What is the circumference of the Moon in nautical miles? Thanks to all of you who participated, including Richard, Ryan, Jan, and Warwick, several of you got that this actually was a trick question, and you can blame Leonard who sent this in for that. A nautical mile is defined as the distance corresponding to one arc minute on a sphere, which is 1 60th of a degree, and a sphere is 360 degrees. So, by definition, the length of a nautical mile will change for any object in the solar system that you're on, and there will always be the same number of nautical miles around any given object. Since there are always 360 degrees in a circle, and always 60 minutes in a degree, then there will always be 360 times 60 is 21,600 nautical miles around the circumference of the object in question. Unless, of course, you take the definition of a nautical mile on Earth's sphere, which would then give you a circumference of the moon at about 5,894 nautical miles. This episode's question, with the main segment on crop circles, the puzzler is fairly short and a quote-unquote simple one, how could you tell if something was done by extraterrestrials? Clearly, this is more of a philosophical question, and if you have any ideas, send them in to puzzler at sjrdesign.net. I'll discuss them in an episode or two or three, depending on the responses. Hopefully some of you are deep philosophical thinkers. With that in mind, uh, as the episode is running long, there are no announcements this episode other than for episode 100, I did not reach the 100 iTunes reviews I had hoped for, but that's okay. I cried just a little bit. Um, and I, I really do hate to be a ratings hog. I always hate it in other podcasts when they say, go rate our show, go to the blah, 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 blah and rate the podcast and nominate us for this award. Eh, whatever. It would be nice if you enjoy the episodes, if you enjoy the podcast, to rate it on your podcast or website or forum or whatever of choice, but that's up to you. That wraps up this topic for the 101st edition of the Exposing Pseudo-Astronomy podcast. Thank you for listening, and I hope that you enjoyed it and learned something at the same time. 
For more information about the podcast, please visit the website at podcast.sjrdesign.net. If you have any feedback, you can use the feedback form on the website or send an email directly to podcast at sjrdesign.net. You can also leave a comment pretty much anywhere. The page for the episode on the website, the blog post for the episode, the Facebook page for the podcast, and I'm even on that newfangled thing called Twitter. So you can tweet me at pseudoastro, P-S-E-U-D-O-A-S-T-R-O. I do read every message and appreciate the feedback, and if you have suggestions for topics, please feel free to make them. Also, as I said earlier, please write, review, and rate the podcast on iTunes or your podcast website or service of choice. If you liked it, tell lots of people. You know, you can. I'm not asking you to wear a breadboard, but if you frequent a forum that has a miscellaneous area, post about it. 